Hello and welcome to our podcast and thank you for being a part of our listening audience. I am so grateful for your listening ear and I do not take it lightly that you take a moment out of the business of your day to hear what the Lord has given to us to share with you. So thank you. And again, I encourage you that if this is indeed blessing you or enriching your life, please share with someone else. It's always a need to be encouraged through the word of God. And so don't just hold it to yourself. Share with a friend, share with a family member. And as we always say, even share with a foe. Because the word of God is for everyone. And perhaps the word may change a foe into a friend. So thank you again for listening. And I want to really just jump right into Uh, the message for this conversation. I have a hymn that I love. If you know me, you know I'm a great lover of hymns. It's just a part of my upbringing, part of my spiritual formation is singing the hymns of the church. And this hymn is called Greatest Thou Faithfulness, and particularly verse number three of the hymn. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings are mine with 10,000 beside. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. It is The first line of that third verse, I want to kind of camp around today. Pardon for sin. What a blessing to know that God is faithful to pardon our sin. To forgive us of our wrongs. To blot out our iniquity and our transgressions. Isaiah gives us a scriptural reference for the lyrics of that third verse in Isaiah chapter 43, verses 25 through 27. Hear what the prophet says. I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sin. Put me in remembrance. Let us argue together. Set forth your case that you may be proved right. Your father's first father sinned and your mediators transgressed against me. Of course, Isaiah, when he says I, is not referring to himself. He's referring to the words from God. That God says I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and I will not remember your sin. In the United States Constitution, Article 2, Section 2, Clause 1, gives us the pardoning powers of the executive branch. It says that the president, the executive, shall have the power to grant grievances and pardons for offenses against the United States, except in cases of impeachment. That those who occupy the executive office has the authority to 
pardon any person who is guilty of federal crimes without any explanation, without having to argue it before a judge or a jury. With just a simple stroke of the pen, the president has the power to give clemency and grant freedom to a criminal who's guilty of crimes against the United States of America. And oftentimes, presidents recognize that this pardoning power can be controversial. Therefore, in most cases, we don't really hear about it until the last day of a particular administration. They call it 11th hour pardons. Well, the president will pardon hundreds of people right before having to relinquish executive power. But the thing is, the pardoning power of the president is not necessarily complete. It has limits. First, the limit is on the term given to the president. Each president only can serve two terms. So there's a possibility of up to eight years where this individual, man or woman, has the ability to pardon people in the United States. Once their time in office is over, they no longer have that authority. Not only is it limited by terms, but it's also limited by the scope. The president can only pardon federal offenses. He does not have the right to pardon any crimes that are committed on the municipal or on the state level. It's only the crimes that are against the United States of America, federal offenses. And he also does not have the ability to pardon himself if he has been tried and convicted of impeachment. The pardon powers are limited to impeachment. Therefore, the president is found guilty by Congress and convicted of the charges. He or she cannot pardon themselves. So there are limits. But the good news is that God has pardoning powers that have no limits. There's no limits to God's prerogative and God's authority to pardon us of our wrongdoings. And I believe this is something that we should rejoice about. Think about the individuals who receive those pardons from the president in that 11th hour of the administration. Think about the joy they feel when they receive word at 12 o'clock midnight on January the 20th or whatever year that they have been pardoned by the President of the United States and they have now received their freedom and can go back to living some type of normalcy without the fear of having to be uh, retried for their offense. This is a joy we ought to feel every day when God faithfully pardons our sin. Isaiah gives us a couple of truths about the pardoning power of God in Isaiah 43, 25-27. First, he lets us know that the only true pardoning power rests in the divine prerogative of God. That only God has the ability to pardon. No one else can truly pardon us of our wrongdoing. Even if you look at the pardoning powers of the United States of America that rest in the office of the executive branch, 
even if the president pardons you, there's still a day of accountability that will come in that individual's life if they have wronged people, have not confessed those sins to God. If God has not pardoned you, then the charges are still there. Only God has the ability to really pardon our sins, to really give us freedom from sin and wrongdoings. And God emphasizes it in verse 25 because he says, I, even I, I, I am he. It is God emphatically saying that I am the only one that can forgive your sin. And not only is pardoning power only in the divine prerogative of God, but God's character is the only merit for receiving a pardon. You ever ask the question, why does God forgive me? Because I have not done anything to actually merit it. I mean, I take for granted that you recognize that. That no matter what you do and how you sing and how you serve and how you give and how you live, nothing that we do puts us in the right standing to merit pardoning from God. There's no case that we can present that could argue that we deserve to be pardoned. The Bible says that God pardons our sin, blots out our transgressions for his own sake. God is saying, I forgive you for the sake of my own character. Because God is so gracious and because God is so loving, he must be able to express that grace and love upon creation. He must extend this grace to us because he cannot help but be who he is. God says, for my own sake, I forgive you. That I have received pardon, you have received pardon, we have received pardoning from God, not because we merited it, not because we deserved it, but simply because God is so gracious and so loving that it is an outward display of his character in our lives. Because he is love, he can't help but be loving. Because he is gracious, he can't help but be gracious. Because he is merciful, he can't help but be merciful. What a great God we serve. Not only is God the only one who pardons, and not only is God's character the only merit for receiving a pardon, God says, if you disagree with me, put me in remembrance. Argue. Let's argue about this. Set forth your case. Prove that you deserve to be pardoned. God says, if you feel that you in your own works and out of your own goodness merits pardoning for me, he said, let me hear it. Give me your case. Present your case. Prove that you are right. And God says, but we know that there's no merit. There's no stance for this case that you may want to present to God. He says, from your first fathers, they said, from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, from your mediators to the prophets and the priests, all have transgressed against me. The Lord says, there's no case that you can possibly put forward that can defend you and put you in a place to claim that you deserve to be pardoned. 
It's only because of who God is that we are forgiven. In spite of who we are. But lastly, it's the effectiveness of this pardon. He says, I will not remember your sin. I will not remember your sin. Old deacons would pray a prayer that the Lord separates us from our sin as far as the east is from the west, which is scripture. And they would say, he casts our sin into a sea of forgetfulness. Never rise to trouble his children again. God says, I will not remember your sin. The effectiveness of this pardon is you don't have to live under the cloud of suspicion that come along with your sin or the fear of condemnation that comes along with your guilt. God says, I will not remember your sin. But the question is, is this even possible? After all, God is omniscient. He knows everything. He even knows my thoughts while they are far off. He knows my thoughts before I even know my thoughts. If God knows everything, is it possible for God to forget? Now, of course, we can dismiss this and simply say, well, God can do whatever he wants to do. If God chooses to forget, he just forgets. But they want to look a little deeper today. Because God does not have senior moments. He does not have selective amnesia. He does not have Floridian slips where he just may forget for a moment or misspeak for a moment. When the Bible talks about the Lord remembering and not remembering, we have to remember the times when the Lord, the Bible says that God remembered. God remembered Joseph. God remembered Noah. God remembered Mary. God remembered these people in Scripture. And every time the Bible talks about God remembering, it's not implying that God had forgotten. It's simply saying that God is about to act on that person's behalf. Now when it says God remembers, it is saying that God is about to act on that person's behalf based on the predicament that that person finds themselves in. When God remembers us, it is saying that God is about to deliver us. To be remembered by God means that God is about to make a way for you. God is about to liberate you. God is going to lift you up out of the pit of destruction, of despair that you may find yourself in. I'm glad God remembers. I'm glad that God acts on our behalf. I'm also glad that God chooses not to remember. In this text, it says, he will not remember your sins. And what it is really saying is, God will not act upon your sin. It's not that God has forgotten them. It's not that God does not know about them. It's not that God has chosen to act as if it never happened. It is God saying, I know what you did. I know when you did it. But I'm not going to give you justice. I'm going to give you mercy. I will not remember your sin. I will not act upon your sin. I will not give you the punishment that you deserve. God says, I will not remember. That's good news. It is the same thing that happens with Richard Nixon. When Ford pardoned Nixon for his crimes, Nixon never went to jail. People know what Nixon did. But because he was pardoned, the government did not act upon it. He did not receive the penalty that he deserved. 
And that is what God does for us. He does not act upon it. When he pardons us, he does not act upon our failures. He does not act upon our missteps, our mistakes. When he pardons us, he remembers them no more. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful for pardoning from my sin. And now that we understand the pardon of our sin, we can understand the other lyrics of that verse more clearly. Pardon for sin, and then peace that endureth. I want you to remember that we all have been pardoned. We all have been recipients of the divine pardoning powers of God. And praise God that he does not act upon it. He does not deal with us according to our sin. He is a gracious God. And praise him for his pardoning. Have a blessed day.